Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Conrad, and this show is where we hear the real stories from real people changing the world. From everyday people to the top celebrities, all the conversations are real, raw, and always unscripted. Thank you for joining me today. Now let's get to today's guest. All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted One-on-One from my still unnamed studios here in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, a special guest today, um, we go back a little bit. We, we won't say how long because it's it's been a while, but uh, let me let my guest introduce himself. Tell us a little bit about your family and uh, we'll go from there. Well, hi, Aaron. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, my name is Dennis Lowry and I live in Talmadge, Ohio. And... Uh, and Aaron and I do go back, goodness, probably about 30 years now, I imagine. And, uh, and I am married to Pam. We've been married for 43 years, uh, high school sweethearts. Uh, have two sons, five grandsons. And uh, we are blessed that everyone lives in the, the same small suburb of Akron. Yep. And you've had a political career there as well, right? Yeah, I actually I'm on my second uh, go round on uh, the city council. Uh, we are a partisan community, um, an inner ring suburb, and so we are pretty uh, evenly split. Uh, so I, I was a councilman 30 years ago for a couple terms, uh, lost a close election, but uh, that led to serving on civil service and then being on the school board for 11 years and uh, and nothing is harder nothing is harder than being a, a christian on a public school board hmm. nothing's harder at all than being on a school board but being um, a christian on a public school board is, is really hard uh, so I did that, and then uh, a friend of mine that I served with on uh, city council became mayor, and then he asked me uh, to become part of his administration, and at that time, I was uh, very happy in a real estate career, uh, but um, just always wanted to get back into that element, and so I was a service director uh, for the city for a year, and then I was an economic developer for four years. Um, and then I left again to go work with one of my sons in the mortgage industry. Now I've circled back and I'm on Talmadge City Council again. So, so a lot of people always joke and just say, I can't keep a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, I'm sure here, here in a minute, but um, you know, that that's pretty cool. Cause you, you know, I would, I would, I would venture to say in the years and years and years that we've known each other, we, we don't talk every day or anything, but um, you know, you've always given to your community. You don't just live there. And I'm, I'm always really impressed with people that, cause a lot of us just go home, hit the garage door, pull in our garage, close the garage door before we even get out of the car. And then that's yeah. it. We call it a day and we pay our taxes and that's it. Um, you know, you, you have invested in your community for many, many years. And now it sounds like your family is doing the same. Yeah, yeah, and I always, I always think, um, you know, because when you get old, you start uh, reflecting, and you wonder, um, especially as a believer, you wonder if you made the right decision uh, regarding the education for your children, whether public ed or or private ed, um, especially Christian ed, would have been the right 
way to go. The biggest, um, the biggest drawback I see to Christian education is that you can't, it's hard to tie the school with the community. Mm-hmm. So that uh, so that you can you can dive all in to your kids' education, and you build relationships through through uh, sports and, and and other activities. Uh, but when you go home to sleep, there's not that tie to the community. So so somehow, I think that would be nice because to some degree, I think um, it's hard to teach. Um, public service or civic involvement through Christian education. Mm-hmm. You can teach you can teach spiritual involvement, but 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 it's not the same as having the mayor be in the stands for the Friday night basketball game. Mm. There's a disconnect there. I don't know mm. how to explain it. Yeah. Well, and I would say too that you're probably pretty glad you're not on the school board right now. In the year of 2020 and, and the pandemic, this this uh, there, it's a uh, it's it's no win, uh, no win with COVID. Yeah, uh, you know, Very there's no, there's no there's, honestly, I I yeah. give anyone on a school board or a school administration a lot of credit because you can't win, as you said, you can't win. When can't you win. Open up, great. You're going to have a whole bunch of haters. You keep it closed. You're going to have a whole bunch of haters. You try to go hybrid. You, can, I mean, it's really tough. So. That is one position that I do not want right now. Well, you know, the biggest uh, the biggest difficulty is um, the the larger the community, the easier it is to stay objective and just make a decision based on uh, data or what the facts are. Mm-hmm. The the smaller the community or the smaller the district relationships are intertwined so you uh, on a school board for instance you got to make an expulsion decision based on somebody's son that you sing in the choir with on Mm. sunday right right. (laughs) it's everything everything overlaps the smaller uh the smaller the uh, organization yeah, you're gonna see him at Kroger on some, at some point, right? Yeah, go home. <laughs> you don't want to have to duck or dive in between. And they're the gonna stop aisle. you in the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, um, so let me bring everybody up to speed, and we'll we'll hop in the time machine here. So, um, as you said, it was about 30 years. So 19, gosh, 92, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I have this company, and I don't know if we should we mention the company. Is it? We're fine. Right? We're fine. Okay. So and actually, let's, and, and we'll talk about what a great company it, it was. Um, yeah. So 1992, I, uh, this, I'm in the final two weeks of school as a senior. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. I think I'm actually going to go back and work at Carter Lumber in, in Mogador, Ohio, which is right a stone's throw away from you. Cause yeah. I have a friend whose dad owned the place. I have zero drive and, and initiative for what I'm going to do when I graduate. And um, <laughs> this, this, they come into a business class and they say, Hey, there's this company called best luck. That's that's uh, in Cleveland. Does anybody want to go for an interview? And I'm like, well, I live in Cleveland and I have no other options. So I raise my hand. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm interviewing. Let's fast forward. I get the job somehow. I, God's grace. I get the job. Um, I end up living in Indianapolis for three months training. And, and again, so let's talk about Best Lock 
the original best locks. So mm -hmm. um, most of you listening going, you're talking about locks, but this was a great company. This was a company that was second generation when I joined. But um, if you mm -hmm. walk up to a door at some place like Ohio State, or I don't know if it's still this way, but most retail establishments, you see this little snowman figure eight lock mm -hmm. and it says the word best on it. And next, anybody listening to this is probably gonna go do that. But if you don't see best, you'll see another name. And that name is probably a knockoff of the original. And so I go to work for this company. I'm, I don't know a thing about locks. I don't know about keys. I don't know anything. <laughs> they, they take me to Indianapolis and they, they pay for a studio apartment for three months. I don't have a single bill. Um, every day I spent for three months working from one end of this factory in Indianapolis, Indiana to the other. So they took us through everything from accounting to uh, one day we worked in the factory on the line. We put the locks together. You, you do not see a company invest in a future sales rep like you see you saw that in that day. And I know lots changed, but mm -hmm. um, they made a massive investment into their sales reps. Next thing I know, after that three months, I'm, I drive to my future home, which is going to be in Cleveland, as they originally said. And I get this three and a half county territory up in northeastern Ohio, <laughs> half of Cleveland and up in the, to uh, Ashtabula. And uh, I walk into this little office and then I had three months. They wouldn't let me touch my territory for another three months. So six uh -huh. months of training. I had to ride along with reps for three months, sit around, listen to you guys talk about all your sales. And um, looking back at it, I was absolutely clueless. <laughs> and I, I have a feeling you probably agree with that statement. Um, I had far other priorities than work. And um, I, I just remember those days coming out of college. And I think about this when I work with young college students or new graduates. I was absolutely clueless. And I, I try to give grace because I remember who I was in those days. I didn't have a mortgage. Everybody I worked with, so you'll, you'll remember this, Des. Everybody I worked with had a mortgage or kids, kids are in school, thinking about college. Yeah. I mean, all these different priorities I didn't have. And so, um, so anyway, what, what are your memories of the days that I walked in as this young college kid? Uh, well, actually my, uh, my memories, and, and you're gonna think this is funny. People listening to this, they won't understand unless right. they're, they, pre, they, they really understand certain differences in uh, Protestant denominations. So uh, the reason you got asked to interview was because you went to Mount Vernon Nazarene. Right. Because back in the day, everybody that was anybody at Best Lock was a Nazarene. And That's we right. only hired other Best Lock uh, uh, Nazarene kids uh, or uh, pastors, mm -hmm. kids, or uh, people that went to Mount Vernon Nazarene or Olivet uh, uh, um, or the school in uh, Boston or in Indiana. Mm -hmm. So so the reason you got interviewed is because of where you went to college. So right. you should always thank that. Absolutely. So, and, and what makes this so funny is because I was raised uh, Baptist. Well, if you were a Baptist and you worked with a bunch of Nazarenes, they still thought I was an unbeliever, you know. Right. And so uh, the running joke, the running joke between our manager who hired you and, and, and me 
being a belligerent salesperson <laughs> was every day I'd walk out the door and, uh, and I would tell him that, make sure you get saved again tonight. <laughs> and, and so he would just look at me like, <laughs> like and he would say, well, you better hope that you made the right decision, you know? <laughs> so, so we had this running joke that had nothing to do about work. Yeah. But, but what I remember, and I was trying to think through this, either your mother had just passed or about that time. And, and, uh, and, and I remember the impact that had on you, mm -hmm. uh, not to get all deep and melancholy, sure. but I remember that. And then I also remember how even though you had much more training than the other three of us that you were working with, yeah, because of your age, you didn't get the same respect. Mm. Uh, and you were like the whipping boy of the sales force, you know, Be because if our manager would have told me and talked to me in the tone that at times and remember how close we sat? Mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't even have like real cubicles. What was right. We had a conference <laughs> and, room and, 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 and this is in Brexville. We just had this yeah. conference room and we all had these cheesy six foot card tables. And, yeah. like it was, it, and I, But I remember rolling up the first day again to look at the difference between you guys all had four door sedans because you had families. Mm -hmm. I roll yeah. up in a two door sports car, <laughs> red yeah. two door sports car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It was my first job. I mean, you know, and, and um, it, but I, I do agree. I think my, my immaturity as a person, and I didn't do anything to help myself because I was completely immature, but um, I do remember that from the Salesforce side. But again, I didn't do anything to, I wasn't out there crushing sales. Um, and, yeah. and I just, I, I had other priorities in life. And I think that as we fast forward to, um, so I left, I left after three or four years because you know yeah. you're, you're young and dumb and don't have any why well, I, I was accumulating a ton of debt which someday I'll tell that story on this podcast but <laughs> I was accumulating a ton of debt even though I didn't have a family and all those other things which was a horrible thing for me but I, I decided it was time for something else I wanted a full I wanted a real job I didn't want to worry about my sales quota so I yeah. left and we'll just fast forward through as you said a few different jobs we <laughs> ended up in Columbus and gosh, I don't remember the year this is. Do you remember what year this was? 2000? Well, I, I, you know, after, 2000. I, I got let go uh, after 9-11 in right. May so of 2002. 2002. And I was only sales manager for about a year. So it may have been like 1998 or 99 when I called you. Yeah. And so we, and, and let me so this, as we said, and one thing I learned in that process was Frank Best started this company called Best Lock. Then his son, Walter Best, took it over. And just as I was getting ready to exit, and even during my training years, his he had multiple sons, but one of them, Russell, was kind of the bright shining star among his brothers. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a tragic story. They should write a book if it hasn't been written yet about the Best family. But um, they... Um, they had, Walter had kind of handed the keys to Russell. And as I was leaving, Russell was starting to take over because Walter was really advanced in years at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and so fast forward again, now you call me and you say, 
And as you said, there have been several changes. Um, our little territory, we didn't have all of Ohio at this point. Right. We were working together. We had half the state. Um, because of some internal things that had happened and, and some of Russell's decisions, um, you all had taken over the entire state and you were now the sales manager. And right. so, but I do remember somebody telling me the first generation, and I might not get this quote right, but the first generation designs it, the second generation improves it, and the third generation runs it in the ground. And I'll never forget that because I witnessed, we witnessed you, you closer than me because you were there for the entire span, yeah. uh, at least Walter and, and, and Russell. So, um, so I come back to this company and there's all these changes. It's not, when I, when I trained and I know a lot of people probably listen to this. Hopefully you're, you're, it's really a story about corporate America and how it's changed and America as, as a, so you have this manufacturing company that hires this kid. They, they put him in six months of training on their dime. There's a, a chapel at the end of their factory where you can go and pray at any time. There's an open door, a true open door, not just a cliche open door policy. There's a true open door to the president of, or not the, yeah, the CEO, I guess you'd say, the, the owner of the company, Walter, but you could walk in his office anytime and talk to him. He often walked the halls just talking to his employees, loving his employees. You, when, we, when we walked through the company and, and worked through those days, um, you met people that were, his brother worked down there. His, there was a lot of nepotism, but it wasn't creepy. It was really, he took care of families. It was just an incredible company. And I remember one day it was, it always was, I was in there in the summer and it was always hot and, and the factory didn't have fans and air conditioning. I mean, they had fans, they didn't have air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And one day they came over the loudspeaker and they said, we're shutting everything down for a half hour. Ice cream's here. And Walter had ordered ice cream trucks to come in and they fed every employee, including everybody in the factory. Like it was just a different time. And I think that I, that's the America I wish we still had, but different yeah. rant, right? So I come back and you call me one day and say, hey, we're taking over all of Ohio. We want you to come back. And I was kind of at a place at that point. I think I wasn't even in retail working in the management side. And I was miserable in my life. We were yeah. just getting ready to have our first child. And so absolutely. So let's fast forward. You're now the sales manager in this company. And, and what in the world caused you to call me of all people? <laughs> well, so it, it, it's it's amazing. That's That was at the end of um, the McCrory and the Atkinson influence. Mm -hmm. And so when, uh, when Joe, uh, when Jim became VP of sales, get this right, and then Linda became uh, a director or something, uh, thankfully, Again, this is another thing about corporate America and politics. You're either in the right camp at the right time or you're in the wrong camp at the wrong time. Right. My whole career was uh, and my whole life has been based on opportunity and relationships and most of the time being at the in the right camp yeah. at the opportune time. So I benefited uh, by that and they and they gave me the state of Ohio well you got to remember Aaron that we just got western Ohio which included Columbus yeah yep. they really wished that I would have moved to Columbus 
but my wife always had an exceptional job and, 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 and she, she was uprooted as a child uh, in uh, starting high school and she had vowed that we would never do that to our kids. So we were gonna move. I may have moved to Columbus without her, but we were, <laughs> but we were not going there together. So, right. so I thought, what better than to reach out to someone that I knew, liked, trusted, and that was you. Yeah. And again, when I think back at, uh, at the reason, my perception of the reason why you left was not about your immaturity or anything with you. My viewpoint of that was that um, we pushed you out, not we, you were pushed out because of the way I felt that you were treated. Yeah. So, and I, so I must have harbored those feelings that if I ever have an opportunity to make this right, I will, and, and that opportunity presented itself. And you did, and and I want to touch on this in a few minutes, um, or, you know, I do want to touch on, and that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on is because, and I've told you this personally, we've met, you know, down here in Columbus, you were in town for something else, but um, the funny thing is, by the time I come back, now I have a wife, um, we're living in a, we had moved to Columbus for my wife's job, mm -hmm. and um but I had to I had to come up to Cleveland because the office had moved again in all these changes and all these things that had happened. But but it I wish people could understand because you and I you, you and I know the history and everything. But I wish people could understand because um, when I watch where corporate America is today and what small businesses and large businesses and satellite offices and sales teams and all those things have been through, it's never and I can't imagine what it was like even before I was you know in the picture. I bet it was even better. But that was America. That was that was the the American dream, and salespeople like you and I. First of all, the comp plan was for for those that did well. They did really really well. You had residual. Mm -hmm. You could continue to. I mean, just they don't pay people like that anymore. And um, you know, our office had moved to where we were. We we were just a little bitty satellite office with no product, and then we got product, and then we moved again, and we didn't have much product. I mean, it was just a you know. But that was the that's the that's what's happened to America. That, that's what's happened mm -hmm. to companies is they've had to make these decisions. And, and some of that was Russell's influence, as we said, in that third generation. So um, I come on board and you were even kind enough to say, you know what, you can commute from Columbus. So I'm driving from Columbus to, um, where was that? Twins, not Twinsburg. What, where was the, the new office? Yeah, it was, it was, it was off it was, Progress, uh, Progress uh, Parkway. Um, in our transportation boulevard it was off in uh, the slavic part of the cleveland suburbs it was near independence ish near independence right it was just near uh, just outside of that the valley right yeah and that was before they really developed the valley at that point right. but um so i'm driving that i don't know if it was three times a week every day i don't even remember now i look back and i'm like what were you thinking i drove four hours <laughs> every day to spend a couple hours with the team and i mean again you were just genuine enough to one bring me back to allow me to do that because eventually my territory was going to be columbus and at the time there was a very seasoned sales representative that was living where did he it was way over by a prison on the east yeah side he lived Ohio. he lived in uh, noble county he had to drive 
two or three hours to get to his territory because he got the western half of Columbus uh, at that point in, in Ohio because that was kind of where his anyway a lot of people we just lost because they're like what is this guy talking about? <laughs> but um so in that time you know i remember they sent us one of those vaunted emails that says hey we have a meeting at the office bring your laptops and it was like oh boy and, and i think i knew we knew thing, things were not going well again yeah. is in that third phase of, of family and we all kind of knew something's not right <laughs> except the one guy <laughs> That, that ended up ultimately being let go because yeah. <laughs> he showed up and they, they let him go and he everybody else kind of knew somebody's gonna let go today because they're bring your laptops is never a good it's not because we're gonna <laughs> compare spreadsheets um somebody's getting fired today so that happened and then um ultimately unfortunately you you were let go and yeah and that was within i don't know six months of me being hired oh. yeah, well this yeah this was the most ironic thing uh, again um the culture that you and I knew and appreciated, uh, we we were working in corporate America, but we didn't know that right. because of the culture. Um, but as Russell took over, and 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 I, I'm sure he had to borrow money uh, from the bank to buy his brothers out, and there were covenants and and all those things that, that go to uh, selling your soul to the bank. <laughs> so uh, um, then the changes had to be made. But so at the time we had uh, 13 employees, I think, in Ohio. And that included service and, and everything. And, uh, and about six weeks before I got let go, I got the like, the largest bonus you could get. And then the changes started happening. And about a month before uh, it was my turn, um, we let seven or eight go. And so then, uh, and, and Joe Atkinson, you know, we were friends. He was my boss, but I'll never forget it. He said, uh, he said, Dennis, I need to see you tomorrow. You know, he was in Indianapolis. I'm in in Akron, Cleveland. And I said, well, Joe, I can meet you, but it's got to be like at three o'clock because I got a five o'clock flight, a uh, 5.30 flight out of Cleveland. And I'm going to Vegas for a golf trip with about 20 guys. And he said, okay, someone had died in Michigan and he had to go to the funeral, uh, a best employee died up there. And so when we let the, the, the previous folks go, everyone got a manila envelope and that was your separation package. And so when he come in the office, him and Judy come in the office and, uh, and he had a manila envelope, uh, you know, in his hand. And I knew he said, he said, Dennis, uh, we got to let you go. We're downsizing. And so uh, in, in hindsight, I know why it happened. I mean, I got treated very well. My separation was good and you don't understand it at the time, but what they did was they took care of me before the, uh, the, uh, the selling of the company closed because had that happened, I would have just got let go with no separation. Yeah. Uh, so, 
and you know, I, I just told you a minute ago, when I was a sales manager, uh, we had 13, 13 employees in one state. When it was all said and done, the person that replaced me as sales manager, you remember was, uh, I forget his name out of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. He ended up having five states yep. and only about 13 employees in those five states. So yep. it, it, it's amazing uh, in looking back because of my personal situation, if I would have been the guy that kept that position in lieu of the others, I would have quit. Right. <laughs> so, so in hindsight, in hindsight, everything worked out good for everyone. Yeah. But you don't understand that at the time. Right. You know? Right. So it was, uh, and to your point, and, and just again, to bring everybody kind of up to speed, because I know we've had some, you know, back office talk that you and I probably understand. Maybe some people didn't catch on to a lot of it. And that's not, again, nothing against there, but, but we've, there's a lot of details in there that you and I know that anybody listening may not, you know, put those dots together. Just think about that for a minute. They, they hire a guy, just to the Cliff Notes version, they hire a guy, they give him six months before he touches his territory. There, it's in a territory that is three and a half counties um, in half of the state of Ohio, which now, as you just said, I think this is, again, that it goes back to that point. In all the changes that took place, it ultimately became, and I actually have a friend, not to fast forward too far to the end of the book, but I have a friend that still works within, he has my old territory, lives here in, in, in the same town I do, he's one of my best friends. Um, and it constantly changes. He's got a massive territory. They've Ooh. sold out to distributors. I mean, to watch all of that happen again, is just kind of, you know, th those were, I don't want to call them the good old days, but you don't have that anymore. You don't have a small sales office with three guys and a boss and a, two secretaries and they go out to lunch regularly together. They have their Monday meeting, you know, I mean, those, those were, it's a different time. Now everything's, you know, how quick can you do it? So um, and that's where I really wanted to get to the ultimate point of this whole backstory was for me to get to a place to say that um, after Dennis left, for those listening, after Dennis left, um, Stanley, the tool company bought us or, or it might have been right before you. Left. At some point, we, we get bought out because we're in a bad way as a company. Uh, golden parachutes were given out, as you said, to you know a lot of large people. And one day I'm going to have my not to get too far into the future, but I'm going to have the boss that received one of those um, packages and left the company and ultimately ended up starting a company that um, with trying to, to get back to those original principles of what best was. And he's an incredible man. He's probably one of the biggest mentors in my life. Um, and just a guy that I just have so much respect for. Um, anyway, back to that. So they, we, we get bought out. And now there's all these changes happening and things are moving fast and furious. And all of a sudden we're, we're now a fortune 500 company or a part of one. And, you know, it was in the best days, no, no pun. It's the best lock days. If you missed your month or you missed your year, you got a pat on the back and said, get them next year. It'll be okay. You know, there was a down year. This company went out of business, whatever it was, you got a pat on the back. And, and because of that, you performed because you always knew you were okay. Uh, moving to a Fortune 500 company, which I won't mention their name again because I don't want to get a letter from that Fortune <laughs> company. But um, you know, it it became very different. It was aggressive. It was a Fortune 500 company. Um, promises were made on budgets, and now if you didn't hit those promises, I mean, guys are getting let go left and right. And they had been seasoned 
people that were top performers year over year, but they had a bad quarter and now they're gone. And you're like, are you kidding me with this? These, these like they had a bad quarter. It just became a very, very different culture. But all that to say, as time would move on and as God would allow, and you very much said it, it was about opportunity and being in the right place at the right time. I end up on the, on the leadership team somehow, <laughs> which I still don't know how it happened. But right about that time, we were expecting our first child. And my wife was working really, you know, her heart was to stay home with our, our child. Um, and ultimately what would become in the future, two children. So the, the, the short version is because Dennis believed in me all those years ago, I ultimately ended up in, in where God would allow, I ended up in a position to where my financial income never made as much as I was making then <laughs> to this day, probably will never make as much as I was making then. But my wife was able to stay home for the birth of our first child and, and, and raising of our first child for the birth of our second child and raising of that child. And I want to even say into our third child and seeing her get old enough to a place to where I eventually got my walking papers too, because it was a volatile company. It happened. And um, you always knew one day you get that call, you know, with the, the envelope, as you said. <laughs> but, you know, in the meantime, you lived as best you could. You did the best that you could. But um, as, as luck would have it, I made it all the way through all three of my kids being old enough to where my wife was actually, I think, maybe even wanting to go back to work at that point because the kids were kind of in school at that point. And, and I financially could not have done that. She could not have been home. And my kids are forever changed because my wife had years and years to be able to be home, be with them. And this is no, this is no statement on whether or not a, a mom and should be home. I, I'm not making that statement. I'm saying our family was fortunate to where my wife was able to really invest in what she wanted to. And all of that is because you make a phone call to Columbus one day. Wow. Thank you. It it was uh, actually, I, I think God deserves more credit. He just worked through me to to help you. That's yeah. all. Yeah. You know. But I learned a lot, and I learned a lot even in the days, as you said. You know, I wasn't always. <laughs> I was the whipping boy, and I deserved most of it. But at the same time, you know, I learned even in those days. Um, I learned in my my days with that Fortune 500 company. And the CEO, and I've actually invited him on because he's now gone. That company has gone through a lot of volatility, and that's where we are in America now. You know, it's it's buying, yeah. selling, changing, dropping, you know, all those things. And and um, I've invited him on because he was really, really uh, different than I am. But I learned so much from him after the fact. I look back at it and I say, you know, I learned so much from that guy. Um, and and I would love for him to come on as well. But. Um, you know, I really wanted to share that really that long story that you and I just walked through because I really believe that, especially with Christmas coming up and 2020 has just been a dumpster fire. And I, I believe that it, it, we still have a chance to believe in somebody. You know what I mean? And that might mean a phone call. That might mean an opportunity. That might mean an encouraging word to a former employee. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think we have a chance and it's free. It's, it's free. Yeah. You, you pick up the phone, you shoot a text nowadays, you know, you, uh, um, I don't know. I think we have a chance to really change people's, the score for a lot of people's lives, not necessarily put them in a triple figure income job. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wish we could all do that, but you can put them in a position to where you could 
truly change the score for them by just making a phone call. Even if it's just to say, I care about you. I miss you. Thank you. Um, you know, Hey, here's, here's a, a friend that's looking for a job or whatever it is. Um, and so I'm forever thankful for, for Dennis Lowry and for that phone call. My goodness. Thank you, Aaron. True. So, you know, um, I have to put my specs on. I am, <laughs> I am 63 now. So, uh, so you know, the older you get, uh, uh, the more reflective uh, you you become, and uh, you know, and cliches are cliches because they're true, you know. Uh, but but if I wrote down some things, if you know, I like things that you know be kind mm -hmm. you know yep. life is is nothing but relationships again you and i grew up in a relationship uh, corporate culture we sold our product through relationships yep to improve the bottom line uh, that company changed the business model and made it a commodity yep. and and then um, you can't sell a commodity by building relationships because they're not paying you to build relationships they're paying you to sell widgets yep and so um so like you said in, in our country today uh, especially believers in our country today you, you got to build relationships yep. and you got to be kind in those relationships. You know, yep. you're, you're either, you're either going to be a butt or you're going to be kind. So when people walk by that casket, you know, the biggest compliment is that, uh, that we were kind, you know, right. right. Uh, I, I think the other thing you learn is that, you got to make yourself available. You got to be mm -hmm. available. Yep. You know, um, you, you can't help somebody uh, in their time of need if if you don't uh, give your time to help them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, even if it is just that phone call yep. uh, or that note. Uh, I think the other thing, especially uh, for men in, in the corporate world. Uh, you got to be a you got to be a part of an accountability group. Yeah, there's got to be two or three that um, that you are open enough to tell them when you mess up, mm -hmm. and you will mess up. Yep. We, we will mess up. Hundred uh, percent. You know, <laughs> as soon as I think I got it figured out, I do something really bad. You know, so, <laughs> right. right. But. But you got to have a couple other guys that you just um, first you talk to God, but but you got to have somebody here that's going to hold your feet to the fire. Yep. You know, I, yeah. the older I get, the more I think that's important, and I think it's probably really important. Uh, actually, that's one of the things I was thinking about your son following in your footsteps. Uh, uh, Colleges should do that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah. they should do that. So, and the other thing, again, when you are type A, you know, uh, 
I was always type A, I, type A and ADD. <laughs> I couldn't stay focused. <laughs> I couldn't stay focused for very long, but, um, but because of that, and because of the way I was raised with uh, planners and uh, people probably with not a whole lot of faith. So they, they had to take care of themselves in their yeah. mind. So they beat that into me that I spent years not really being present. I may have been doing this, but I was thinking about what I had to do at six o'clock. Right. I wasn't, you know, so I think we're only promised today. Yep. And again, the older you get, the more that you understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I read the bitch. I go, honestly, goodness. I go to a, a funeral home once a week wow. and it used to be, it used to be going to see someone's parents or grandparents. Right. Now I'm going and I'm seeing a friend. How sobering, right? You know, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. You better, you better know where you're going. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you better deal with that decision. And, um, and then in terms of work now, um, everyone wants to be in a networking group. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have joined them all. Yeah, I, right. I do remember and, that. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, but the one, and, and I'm not touting this one because there was a lot I did not like about it. Um, but BNI is, is a major one. And, and their um, slogan is giver's gain. And, and if that is so true, not just in work, but mm -hmm. if, if, if you truly want to help somebody, if you truly put their interest above your own, you will always be successful. Yep. Because people wanna do business with those that they like, know, and trust. Hundred percent. You know. So, uh, and then, and again, this goes back to our relationship. Uh, at an early age, I could tell that you had a, a personal relationship with God. When I was still, for the most part, sitting on that picket fence. And, you know, you can't sit on that fence for very long because it hurts your hind end. You know, <laughs> right. you, you got to make a decision, you know. Right, right. And, and so what I've come to realize now, and I try to instill in my own boys um, and now my grandchildren, you know, things really become important when you have grandchildren. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because yep. now you're thinking about legacy and and, and, and their eternity and what kind of world are we creating for them to live in? Yep. Uh, but, but it really hits home that if, if you seek God's will for your life, if you are really doing that, you will never make a wrong decision hmm. because whatever decision you make, you make, you're going to make it through prayer. You're going to make it knowing that uh so we, so i mean in the short term it, it could be a disaster but that's just because that's a season of your life that you're being taught something 
Yeah. You know, so, so that's, the other is, and this is probably more so for uh, the females uh, that I see a lot. You, you have to set boundaries in your relationships. Mm. And, uh, and so many young people today, uh, because they don't have or didn't have good examples uh, uh, as role models and parents, um, their, their boundaries are way too broad. Mm. And that's just sets themselves up for letting others mistreat them yeah. and, and, and staying in unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And so at some point, everyone has to be willing to cut ties with an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. You got to just know when to walk away, you yeah. know? Um, and wisdom. the others are uh, <laughs> great wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Dropping, yeah. Dropping dimes right now. <laughs> dropping. Yeah. You can edit this all you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. And then the other again, when uh, I, again, the difference, I think, uh, between uh, the way I was raised in my denomination, you know, when I accepted the Lord, I thought it was done. Mm. I, I you know, I took care of my eternity so I can continue to live on this earth the way I want, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but as you grow and it, but once you understand that God's grace yep. is not just about that, it's about helping you build relationship while you're still here and alive, right? That, that you can have that relationship. It, it's not, it's not an end time thing only. Yeah. So, um, and then the other thing I, I really learned is uh, that re that relationship doesn't really grow until you really come to understand what happened at the cross mm. and that sacrifice. You know, so right. if you can if you can get your head around sacrifice, sacrifice that was made, if you can get your head around the grace that we have that you don't need to worry about messing up because you're going to mess up, but you do yep. need to repent, you know? Right. And then um, everyone needs to understand that they're okay. You were unique. We were made the way we're made. God knows uh, that we have a temper. <laughs> he he right. knows, but, but that's what makes us, that's our uh, thorn. And, it, and it's, you have to deal with it. You, you yeah. don't, you don't make an excuse for it, but you don't got to beat yourself up about it every day. Right. Because until you learn to accept yourself, you can't love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you can never love anyone else. Mm. You know, so that's your, uh, that's your old guy giving you <laughs> 10 points wisdom of wisdom. D Lowry. <laughs> D Lowry, <laughs> wisdom. Yeah. We got way more there than I, I even anticipated. That that's it's gonna, no, it, it's oh, all really I'm gonna, good, I'm and I, I think and make it a bestseller. It might, it might, <laughs> it might. It's a chapter in that book that I'm someday going to write that everybody's <laughs> bugging me about. I got a whole a whole chapter on D. Lowry. So, uh, really quick, um, yeah, and I uh, to your point, I want to I want to circle back because um, I one thing I didn't understand growing up the way I did, and in the church that I did, and and that's no no disrespect to that church whatsoever. Um, one thing I did not understand was grace. Mm. 
And it wasn't until I read um, one of my heroes, um, Max Licato's book, Grip of Grace, that I actually understood the word grace in the first place. And I think in, in 2020, one thing we need more than anything is grace for ourselves, but also grace for one another. Um, we wouldn't get in mask debates and race debates and um, who we love and who we can't love and all those debates if we just gave each other just a little bit of grace, because it's the same grace that we've been given, as you said. If you understand what happened at the cross, then how can I not um, love and extend the same grace that I've been given? And um, yeah, that's a that's a huge lesson I've learned. But um, so not to transition completely left field, but yeah. I do want to. I do want before we get off. I do want to. Hopefully, people. I want to end on a light a light note. Yeah. You might remember some of these stories, but. Do you remember uh, right after I got hired, um, there was a sales meeting in Wisconsin, and yeah, and we went team. we went to we went to Oshkosh. Oshkosh. Do you remember who missed the flight? <laughs> Did you miss the flight? You don't remember? <laughs> so no. I I didn't realize that you're supposed to get to the airport. This is before 9/11 oh. TSA's and everything else. <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to get to the plane to the airport an hour early, and I I was on the 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 slow whatever they call those the not the yeah. escalator but the, i was on that and i watched you guys get on a flight and you all were laughing because i got to the exit and they picked up the phone and they said they, they they literally called the plane which they actually could do they called the plane and they're like we're sorry we're taxiing you're you're gonna miss it. <laughs> so i did walk in i did make it to oshkosh and it was after a long planes trains and automobiles experience and I walked in the sales meeting. It was like walking into class and everybody looks, turns and the entire best Cleveland team was in stitches laughing so hard at their stupid young salesman. <laughs> Nobody was doing. I could, you know, I could just envision our, uh, our old managers uh, look at that time, you know, uh, he was not happy. He was not happy. He was not happy the day that he rode with me and I wasn't listening to Stephen Covey tapes like everybody else. Did. And you guys never tipped me off and said, hey, if you're going to ride with with, you know, our former manager, make sure you got some Stephen Covey tapes in the car. So I was just rocking out to whatever I was listening to. And at the end of the day, he told me one of my favorite quotes of all time. If you're not listening to sales tapes and Stephen Covey, then it's just bubblegum for the years. <laughs> He called the radio bubblegum for the ears. So <laughs> I've never forgotten that. And then the last one, and you might not remember this one either, but do you remember now we're in Strongsville and we, we had a sales meeting at, um, was it the Country Kitchen? Is that the name of the place? I think it was. Yeah, there was a Country Kitchen. And it was right next to a really cheap motel that you might be able to rent by the hour. Do you remember that? Do you anybody listening to this I, I wish you could see dennis's face right now because you have to picture this they put us in a back room because as yeah. our manager told them we're going to be here all day so we got breakfast yeah. we did some sales meeting stuff we ended up having lunch well in the time that we're at this round table um the three salesmen are facing again it's a round table but three of us were kind of in that three quarters to where we had a, an eyesight into the hotel in the background and our sales manager's back was to said hotel and mm -hmm. um, at some point a car pulled in and a male and female got out and did some things in the parking lot and then made their way into a hotel room uh it was it was like a you know what do they call it a, um, a motel six with the, so it's all one floor 
And yeah. then, I don't know, an hour or so later, they emerged from the hotel room and left. And the three of us were doing our best to not absolutely lose it. And our sales manager had zero clue what was happening behind him. Do you he remember that? Yeah, I remember it. Uh, another time, uh, uh, he, and, he and I went to lunch and we went to a TGI Fridays. And uh, so I needed, I needed to use the men's room real quick you know, right after they seated us. And, um, and so I did, and I come back and, and, and the guy, my manager had what looked like an iced tea <laughs> in front of him. And so I'm thinking, I said, Jack, he said, uh, I said, you already ordered a, a, a beverage. And he said, oh yeah. He said, they got this iced tea here. It's called a Long Island. And I said, no, I said, you can't drink. I believe, you know, he, he had never had a sip of alcohol in his life, you know. (laughs) And I believe we were all actually at the table when you went to the restroom and none of us spoke up and said, (laughs) (laughs) I do remember it was, (laughs) I remember because the waiter came up and he said, special today is Long Island iced teas. And he said, oh, I think I'll have one of those. And we were all like, let it rip, let's go. Well, so, uh, some, um, I, I wanted to end on some really great memories because I have a lot, regardless of, you know, the history of getting let go yeah. or getting hired, get, all, all the history that we've given on this, this podcast. Um, uh, it, you know, I have great memories and I learned a lot and I'm forever thankful, as I said, um, you know, of you just believing in me and, and anybody listening to this, um, you know, just believe in somebody, reach yeah. out to somebody, believe in them, drop them off, give them a call, give them a text you know, drop off something at their house, whatever it is. Uh, we're all living in the COVID world, but we can still care about people. And um, and then all the things that Dennis said, I echo everything that you said. And those are things that I've learned on my path, which, you know, uh, the other thing that you taught me, um, I remember at one point I started losing my hair. That was back when I did have, I had a pretty good head of hair at that point, yeah. but it was falling out. And you told me that um, it, it eventually will fall out and land in your ears and on your back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, when I uh, when I get a haircut now, it it takes like two minutes to cut my hair and then 10 minutes to do my neck, ears, eyebrows and nose. (laughs) Well, anybody listening will know that this is why I love working with Dennis. Um, Always had just this great insight and information. Uh, I love you dearly as a as a friend. I'm thankful for our friendship all these years for your encouragement and, uh, and always again for that phone call. So I wish you guys a very, very Merry Christmas to you and your family. You too. And, and thank you so much. This, this was so much fun. Um, and I want to let you know, again, I, I want to let you know that the, the, the best, um, the best thing for me to see through your life is how uh, you have loved your wife and raised your kids. Thank you. And uh, I know I've been probably way too deep during this, but no. but it's been my pleasure to watch you be a husband and a father from a distance. So well, I appreciate thank you. I learned, I learned from great people and, and you being one of those people. So thanks, buddy. Thank you, my friend, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, we will talk soon. See ya. All right.